no video today. Uh, if you're around often, then usually there's a video right here. But since it is our VBS Sunday, uh, we don't really have a series. We, we uh, have a couple series coming up, and you can see those online. But today, I, I just kind of want to teach on the same subject that we've been learning about uh, at VBS these, this last week for four days. And, and I kind of want to talk about following Jesus, I guess, in the simplest terms, and, and what that means and why that's important. And uh, I've had three cars go out. This is like a world record. I don't know whether to be proud or cry, but I've had three cars go out in two and a half weeks. Um, we've had three cars stop working in two and a half weeks. We've been like on the side of the road with one of our cars three times in two and a half weeks. It's like a record. Um, I'm borrowing my dad's car this week, and if I can get it to stop, then I'm going to call Guinness up and say, Guinness's Book of World Records, I think I'm going to get in now. Uh, and so if we can get that, if I can just do something wrong, throw it into reverse or something on the freeway, then, then I could really probably break a world record. Um, and, and one of the things that that would have been nice to know is that it was going to happen, right? I mean, it would have been really good for planning purposes, for financial purposes, for just kind of, you know, having somebody with you when you're going to break down on the side of the road. It would have been really nice to know that it was going to happen, kind of to have like a blueprint, like, hey, Chad, next week, car number three goes down. So uh, be prepared, you know, go out and, you know, learn how to take public transportation or whatever you need to do because car three is going down in, in a similar way, but this is a good thing. Uh, we're having a baby in a month and it would be so nice to know what all is going to happen. Wouldn't that, I mean, some of you are parents and wouldn't it just be great to, to just kind of know like, okay, this is what their personality will be like and you need to know that they're going to fall down and break their face on this date and you can be prepared and catch them and, and they're going to act up on this day. They're going to be really in a bad mood. Wouldn't, wouldn't it be nice as a parent just to kind of know what's coming so that you could be prepared and, and you can, you know, have a plan and, and make adjustments and all those things and Here's the reality that we know in our life. Sometimes days just blindside us. Sometimes days just present, provide, cause to happen in our lives things that, that we in no way, shape, or form could have ever seen coming. It just couldn't have happened. We couldn't have seen it. And, and we all, I think, would like, I think you would agree with me on this, uh, we would all like to have a crystal ball, or to use the metaphor that we used at VBS, we would all like to have like a map, guidebook of sorts, that kind of says, this is what's going to happen, and go this way, because over there there's a pitfall, and uh, oh, you don't want to go there, you know, I mean, that's dangerous, there's a danger sign there, stay away from that, we'd all like to have that, and I know you're already wheels are turning, he's going to tell me that's the Bible, but that's not even what I mean, I mean like far beyond the Bible, like we, it would be really nice just if somebody said, hey, you're kid is going to be in a bad mood today. Hey, your car's going to break down, so make sure that you got a cousin or a brother-in-law close by to help you out with that. I mean, just be ready because it comes. And I mean, there's so many examples of just how we don't have that. Like, your car breaks down, and you're late for a meeting, and you're like, well, now I'm on the side of the road, and I wish I would have known. Or somebody just told me that they heard this on the radio the other day as, as, the, as the transgender thing has been kind of uh, in, in the media a lot lately, uh, somebody told me that they were listening to the radio and a, and a lady called in and said, she's a Christian lady, her husband uh, wants to become a woman. 
And, and it's like, that, that's like the, that's like the, hopefully that didn't happen to you this week, but like that's, you know, that's the, the magnification of what I'm talking about. Like that's, that kind of blindsides you. Like, wait a minute, what do I do with this? I would have liked to have known that this was going to come up. Or, or you know, I, I'm, like somebody commits suicide and I've been with people in those days or somebody just dies and they die unexpectedly. It's like I, I just wish that I could have seen it coming because now I'm, I'm trying to pick up the pieces and I, I don't really know what to do. And that's the problem. We don't really know what to do oftentimes. I mean, when you're stuck on the side of the road, you're thinking, well, I got to do something. I can't just take a nap in this car, but I don't really have a good plan for where to take it or what to do. Uh, or like this last week, someone opens fire in a theater or a month ago in a Bible study and you just, you would like to know that these things are going to take place and, and that you don't. You don't know and you can't see them coming. Um, a friend of mine on Facebook uh, posted this this week, and I, I thought it was it was so clever. Uh, she said to my fellow grown-ups, "Isn't it weird to think that all the grown-ups we had around as kids were faking it just like we are now?" And that isn't that how you feel like as an adult? Like you you felt like your parents kind of knew what was coming and knew what they should do, and and then you are an adult and you're like. Most days, I just don't know. Uh, you know, I mean, these things come up, and it's like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't know what I should do. I wasn't prepared for this, and I haven't had time to read about the best decision or think about the best decision or pray about the best decision or talk to other people about the best decision because it just kind of happened. Now, here's, this is the good news. In life, no matter the circumstances, we can choose to have God as our guide. Now, this isn't going to make it so that there's a magical, now you know what's going to take place, but what we believe, what the Bible tells us, what we talked about at VBS this week, is that God does know what's going to take place in your life. And so I would make the hypothesis that if God knows what's going to happen and you don't know what's going to happen, it makes sense to follow him even if you don't know where that's going to lead. If God knows and you don't know what's going to take place next, then it makes sense that you should follow him. I, I golf and there's some golf courses out there that I would call stupid. Uh, and and, and you, you play these golf courses and you can't see anything that's going to happen next. And so you hit your first shot and you think that was a great shot. Um, I golfed the other day and I never said that was a great shot. But, uh, but you think that was a great shot. A and then you come up and, you, and you're like there in the middle of the fairway. That's the green thing in the center. Uh, and then you like are like, I, I don't know if I should go right or if I should go left. And you can't see a, a pin, a flag. You can't see that anywhere. A and what really helps in those moments is to be golfing with somebody who's already played the golf course. You say, which way should I go? And then if they're nice, you trust them and you say, okay, I'll hit it where you tell me to hit it and I'll hope that you are leading me the right way. And, and I think that if we're smart and we really believe that God knows what's going to take place in our future, then the smart decision is to say, okay, God, as I step forward in life, Every day as I take these little baby steps, I'm going to do what you want me to do. I mean, the tagline this week was unknown to us, but known to him. You may have got that um, for my poor dancing. And, and the thing is, God knows. And it's important to remember that because it dictates 
your trust, your desire to serve him. But what I see too often are a lot of people, a lot of people in our world, in the church, in churches that, that would say, yes, I, I do believe that God knows what will happen. I do believe that. But yet, when they take their steps of life, when they make their decisions, they don't factor God in at all. And I think it's quite a travesty. And today, what I want to do is is I just want to look at at three stories in the Old Testament. Just briefly look at these stories. We talked about one at VBS this week, the story of a guy named Daniel, and we'll talk about that again this morning. But two other stories where we see these, these moments where people are blindsided. They are. I mean, these things happen to them that that if we're really paying attention to the story and we don't do this in the bible a lot we go wow that's bad that's a bad 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 day and yet they made the decision to say well god i've been blindsided and i might be blindsided again life might throw me another turn or another twist or another pitfall or another canyon but i'm going to keep doing what you want me to do because i think that you know best the first story is the story of, of a man named Joseph way back in the book of Genesis. He, he takes up a good chunk of the book of Genesis, actually. And I'm going to make a long story of, of Joseph pretty short, but, but let me just give it to you here. He's one of my favorite characters in, in the Bible. Joseph is, is a nice kid, it seems like. He's a little bit arrogant, but he's a nice kid. And then, and just if you grew up in the church and you know the story, then you kind of just don't think about this. But one day, he goes out to check on his brothers for his dad. Normal kind of day, right? I mean, they're, they're, uh, they're shepherds. They're out there with the sheep. I mean, he just, okay, I'll do my dad the favor. I'm going out there. And his brothers decide to kill him. But then... Thankfully, I mean, that had to be like, a whoa, I didn't see that one coming today. You know, I mean, like, oh, I mean, you think like my tire, you know, uh, I got a flat tire. And Joseph's like, oh, my brothers wanted to kill me. That's a bigger like detour, right? But then they decide not to kill him. And instead, they sell him into slavery. And so Joseph wakes up to do a favor for his dad in the morning. And he ends up being taken to a foreign land that's not his own, the land of Egypt. That's a pretty bad day. I mean, we think like, I didn't know that person would be in a bad mood at work. And I really wish I would have known that. But I'm sure at some point, Joseph was like, I really wish I would have known this was coming. You know, I might have like grabbed some food or a snack for the road. I mean, you know, like I wish this, I would have known about this. And so Joseph is sold into slavery and he ends up in the house of a pretty high up figure in Egypt. And he's a great slave for that person. He, he actually makes it so that Potiphar's house is, is really exploding with, with growth and wealth and prosperity. And he's going right along and life seems good. And Joseph, in all of this, I need to point this out, is continuing to, to seems like daily, say, I'm going to do what God wants me to do. Our tendency is we get this detour and it's like, well, God messed up. But Joseph was like, well, I'm here. I didn't see it coming, but I'll continue to serve God. And he serves God in Potiphar's house and move forward. And one day Potiphar's wife shows up and she hits on Joseph. And then Joseph runs. Married woman, Joseph did the right thing. He's trying to live for God. He runs away, but she grabs his tunic and that puts him in an awkward situation. And then she, she accuses him of trying to, uh, trying to hit on her. Potiphar has Joseph thrown in prison. That's a bad day. I mean, like, 
I'm do, I've done everything right for you. I've done everything I'm supposed to do, including, let's point this out, flee from adultery, right? That's, a, that's pretty good. And, and now I'm in prison. But Joseph continues to live for God. He continues to say, well, I just, I'll make God my guide and I'll continue to do what he wants me to do. And he ends up, long story short, interpreting some dreams for a couple of guys. And one of them gets beheaded. The other guy, um, gets fr- he's free and he goes to be uh, a worker for Pharaoh again, the leader of Egypt. And Joseph had told him, hey, tell Pharaoh about me. Let, let, get me out of here. I mean, I haven't done anything wrong. Get me out of here. And the guy forgets about him. I mean, think about, have you ever been disappointed by life? Have you ever like gone, oh, now I'm going to get my big break and it doesn't happen? Can you imagine the first week after Joseph interprets a dream through God and, and, and this guy, this high official in Pharaoh's household is free and, and Joseph's just thinking, couple hours now, couple hours and I'm out of this, this dark, dungy prison and life will get back to at least kind of normal and everything will be good. And Joseph just sits there and sits there and sits there and sits there. He sits there and he doesn't get out until one day Pharaoh has a dream and the guy remembers, oh, wait, I know a guy. I got a guy that can interpret that dream for you. And he gets, he gets Joseph and Joseph interprets the dream. And, and then uh, there's a major famine in the land to complete the story. And, and Joseph is able to help Egypt secure food for all the people around the area so that everybody doesn't die. And at the end of the story, Joseph's reunited with his brothers. And he says this thing that I think is so important for us if we're going to make a choice to follow God as our guide. It's a thing that I think is, is so valuable because there are moments in life where you just, I know, where you just feel, you feel, you might not think it, you might not believe it, but you feel like just saying, well, I'm not going to serve God today because life has thrown me this curveball and it just seems easier to do something else to do my own thing. But his brothers come to him and they're scared that he's going to kill him once their dad is dead because they know Joseph loves the dad, that he's going to honor him, but now they're scared because the dad is gone and he's going to throw him in prison or kill him or do whatever to get back at them. And, and here's what Joseph says. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. That's just one of, that's one of the most beautiful passages, verses in all of the Bible and all of our scripture because Joseph doesn't deny that they did something bad and their intent was evil he doesn't say that God did it but he shows us that God knew it was going to happen and because Joseph continued to follow his guide he continued to follow God and do what God wanted to do God was able to take this very evil bad thing this horrible day this this moment in joseph's life that that really could have destroyed him that could have made him turn his back on god and god uses it to save thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people and i think in those words that one sentence that joseph offers to his brothers we see one of the great reasons for us to say i'm gonna do what god wants me to do I'm going to obey his commands and follow his precepts and try to listen to him and let his Holy Spirit inside of me lead if we're Christians because God knows and because God may be using something very bad for good and you may be the instrument to make it happen. 
But if you go, oh, there's a detour. Sorry, God, I'm angry about this detour. That wasn't in my plans. It wasn't what I wanted. Then perhaps the good won't come that you expected to come. And in the story of Esther, in a very similar, similar kind of idea, but it really shows that, that we have a choice to make. It really shows that, that Joseph could have done something else. He could have said, God, I'm, I'm going to turn my back on you and I'm going to ignore you and I'll give in to adultery and have my fun for a little while and I'm, I'm just done with you because you put me in this situation. But in the story of Esther, it shows that, that really Joseph probably had that decision to make. The story of Esther is, I mean, think about this one, ready? The king in the land at the time in Persia he, he gets mad at his wife because she refuses to come out and dance in front of his dinner guests. Uh, he just wants to make her an object, and, and she says no. And so he gets rid of her as a wife, and he goes on this search throughout the land to find the woman that he thinks is best looking, the best woman in all the land uh, in his mind, which meant just good looking, I'm sure, for him. And, and so he finds Esther, Jewish girl. Now, you... You go, I think, when you think about until this week maybe, I just kind of ignored this part of the story in my own soul and heart. And just kind of, well, she became a princess, cool for her or whatever. I mean, she's taken from her family, from a cousin who's raising her that she loves a lot. You can tell it in the story of Esther, a guy named Mordecai. And she is taken to be an object for the king's lust. I mean, you, you think like she probably, she may have gone, I'm going to marry somebody I love. I mean, think about how big a deal that was. You know, maybe it still is if you're young and if you're old. Think about how big a deal that was, like thinking about your future spouse and what they'll be like. And, and, and then somebody shows up at your door and says, hey, we saw that you're good looking. And so here's the plan. You're going you're gonna to come to the king, and you're just going to kind of be his object, and you'll kind of do what he wants for the rest of your life. There's no love involved. There's no romance involved. The man doesn't have the same morals as you. He, he just, and he just got rid of a wife because she refused to dance in front of his dinner guests, and you probably heard that story. And now you're ripped from your family to go into that role. That's pretty bad. I don't think that we often think about, if you've ever read the story of Esther, how bad that must have been as she left her house to be taken to the king's palace, knowing that her, the rest of her life, she may, she may just be used. And that was if she won the contest, because if she didn't win the contest, then she was just going to get sent into a little house for, for other people and for the women who weren't picked, and she would have lived there the rest of her life, not, marry, not able to marry anybody else, not able to go back to her family. So she would have been like the loser that, that got this other bad situation. That's like a, a detour in life that you just don't see coming. I mean, there was no way in her eyes that she was going to be in the palace someday, that she was going to be the next queen of Persia as a, a nice Jewish girl. And, and so she goes and, and she wins and, and she's the, the king's new object of lust, the new queen. And then her cousin makes a guy mad, not because of anything he did, but because of jealousy. And, and so Hamar um, decides that he wants to have all the Jews killed. That's all of her people. That's kind of a bad day, right? I mean, you're kind of pretending you're not Jewish because you're there and you kind of know that the Jewish people aren't well-liked and, and then all of a sudden you, you hear, oh, by the way, your husband, 
your husband, has signed off on an edict that will annihilate your people. That's your family. They're all going to be killed. So that's bad. That's a detour you didn't see coming in life. And then her cousin comes to her and says, hey, by the way, here's what you need to do to help us. You need to go talk to the king and talk him out of it. Now, have you, ever, have you ever been in those spots where all of a sudden it's you helping or nobody helping? Like you have two choices, either risk your own neck or give of yourself or something else bad happens and you're like, I don't want this. I didn't sign up for this job. What am I doing here right now? You've probably felt that way in our church. Like, well, I got to do it uh, because nobody else is doing it. But have you ever been in like that spot where everybody else is just unable to help or has chosen not to help or, and, and it's just you or something bad. And her situation is even worse. Because to approach the king without being summoned to the king was punishable by death. If she walked into her husband's room and said, hey, I know I'm not expected, but you know I need to talk, and he didn't like it, done, she's dead. And so she now has this choice to make, a choice, and you've been in that spot, You've been in that spot where all of a sudden you've got to like decide, am I going to help or am I not going to help? And she's scared. She doesn't want to do it. And her cousin says to her this thing that I think really matters. He says, do not think that because you are the, in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time, check this next sentence out, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows? but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. You see, here's the thing about, about these bad things that happen in life. It could be that God is allowed, knowing the future now, he, God knows, God knows, and if he allows you to go into something, through something, if he allows you to deal with something, it could be that he's allowed that because he wants you to do something really, really important. And it can only be done if you go through this thing. And you see, what happens is we go through these things and then we kind of turn away from God and we say, we don't want to serve you. And perhaps, and this is, I don't know, but it seems this way from the story of Esther, perhaps God is still getting the same work done. He's just not using you because you have not chosen to follow God as your guide. You've said, well, I guess if God's going to let me go through that, then, then I'm not going to serve him. Or you've gone, well, I, you know, I'll try to figure it out and, and come up with my own plan because God didn't tell me that one was coming. And, and perhaps you are missing out on a life that has just a much bigger, greater purpose. You see, perhaps you've gone through what you've gone through, whatever it is, because God looked ahead and he said, look, I'm your guide and I'm only going to let you go through this because I know what's on the other side of it. You can make a great impact. And perhaps you've chosen not to make that impact because you have not stepped up to the plate and you have not continued to follow God. And then there's this story of Daniel and Daniel was taken into exile by an enemy nation. I've never had a day that bad. I mean, that just sounds bad, right? I mean, so Daniel, another Jew, is living his life. He's one of the cool kids. He's got a lot going on for him. And, and so they say, oh, 
we will use you for service because you're good looking and you're strong and you, you got a lot of life ahead of you. So come with us. Let's go over to Babylon over here and you can be a part of what we're doing, our plan to use you. I mean, he's basically going into slavery himself. So Daniel is now locked in this prison and he's told to eat food that he knows as a good Jew, somebody who follows the law, he cannot eat. So Daniel approaches the person in charge of making sure that he eats and that he's healthy and that he's as strong as possible. And he says, here's the deal. I need to eat only vegetables because those are allowed. Test it. And I think God's going to make me just as strong and make my friends just as strong as if we ate your food, whatever food they had. I don't know if they had steroids, but kind of sounds like a steroid situation to me. And, and so Daniel, I mean, think about this. Think about the situation. It's one of those moments. It's one of those moments where you go, yeah, didn't see this coming. I'm here. There's only this food. So God's probably not going to care. Isn't it that moment? I mean, isn't it the easiest moment to rationalize? I mean, sure, God gave me the law when I was, you know, in that situation in life. But now I'm in this situation in life. And it's pretty hard and it's pretty difficult. And that's all I have to eat right now. So I'll eat the food. But Daniel doesn't. I mean, he goes, well, I've been handed this, this thing that's terrible. I'm here and I'm going to be a servant to the king the rest of my life instead of hanging out with my friends back home and doing what I want to do but I'm not going to stop following God because I trust him. And then his friends, not too long later, are told to bow down to a false god, to an idol. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you know this story if you've been around church at all. I mean, think about this, just from Daniel's perspective, from their perspective, it's like, hey, two choices. I mean, you just wake up thinking, well, we've kind of adjusted now. I mean, it was no good that we're here in, in Babylon, but we've kind of figured out life, and we kind of have our role, and we're doing our thing. And You wake up, and they say, two choices, bow before this idol or be thrown into that furnace. Why? What's option three? You know, I mean, don't you ever feel like that in life? Like, what's option three? I mean, isn't there something else I can do today? And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego... Say, we're going to follow God as our guide. We will not bow. You can throw us in the fire. And I just, just because we're talking about Daniel, I mean, think about Daniel. That's like his friends. That's probably his best friends in the whole world. I mean, it would be easy. I mean, I just, it would be like, hey, just bow the one time, you know, just give in the one time because then it'll be over and they probably won't expect it tomorrow. And we can, it's just so easy to rationalize and say, no longer will God be my guide. But they choose not to and they're thrown into the fire. And God, saves them and, and God does a work in the king because of them. And then and this is the famous part of Daniel's life. There's there's another edict made by the king and he, he says nobody can pray anymore except to our gods. Nobody can pray like Daniel was praying to our God, Yahweh. And <laughs> I love the line in the book of Daniel. It's like the next day, Daniel's in his window praying. Like it wasn't a thing, like there was no hesitation, like, okay, whatever you need to do to me, but I'm going to do what God wants me to do. I mean, 
we know this. We're, I mean, we, we're scared of this in our country now as Christians, aren't we, that they're going to change the laws and, and, and force us to do things we don't want to do. That's a fear that you have, isn't it? Isn't that a real fear at this point? I, I think we're a long ways away from that, but, but isn't that kind of a fear that you have more and more if you're a Christian person or you just have Christian morals in our country a little bit? And, and, and here's Daniel going, well, they changed the law, but I'll be right here in my window, by the way, in his window, praying just like he had every other day. And so the king says, well, I like you a lot, Daniel. You've been good to me, but I got to throw you in the lion's den because I signed the thing. Not a very good lawmaker, some of these people in the Old Testament. I don't know what they were doing. They should have had some lawyers around or something, but they throw Daniel in the lion's den, and God saves Daniel again. And there's this great line. There's this great line as Daniel gets this vision in Daniel 10, 12. Seeing an angel, and the angel's going to provide a greater vision. And by the way, I want to point out a vision that really uh, helps us to know that Jesus was actually the Messiah, the promised one of Israel. If it's not for Daniel's vision, if Daniel had chosen to say, well, I'll stop praying, or well, I'll bow to this idol, or well, I'll eat, then, then perhaps we don't have the great proof that Jesus was going to be born when Jesus was going to be born and where Jesus was going to be born. The wise men, you've heard of them. It's pretty, it's pretty, um, it's pretty fair to believe that the wise men understood that the Messiah was going to be born and there was going to be a star because they had hung out with Daniel, not those guys specifically, but then passed it down through the generations in their country. And Daniel, actually, this is so crazy for, for people that don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah. Daniel, like thousands of years before Jesus, basically gives us the week that Jesus is going to be born. The exact week and the exact year that Jesus is going to be born. And here's what, what the angel says to Daniel. Then he continued, do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard, and I've come in response to them. Daniel just said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what God wants me to do, and I'm going to do my best to figure out what it is that God wants from me, and, and I'm going to live my life in whatever way God tells me to live my life, and it doesn't matter what happens. And this angel shows up and says, I'm here, and I'm here, because no matter where life has taken you, you have decided to follow Jesus. You have decided to do what God wants you to do. And this week we had these four points, and I think they're pretty good. Um, it was kind of each of the days of, of VBS, and so I just want to just read them. Uh, the first one was follow your guide. And so Daniel makes this decision, I will follow God. We all need to make that decision. And, and then the next one is trust your guide. And, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they just said, we're going to trust God. I mean, even if we're going into a furnace and it looks really bad, we're, I mean, we've made a decision to follow God, and now we're going to trust God and then stay on track. And it seems that no matter what changed around Daniel, he didn't change in his resolve to serve God. And sometimes that's where we get hung up. We go, I'll follow you, God. I'll trust you, God. But when things kind of get different, we'll kind of play you know, spiritual gymnastics and kind of do what I want to do and pretend that I'm doing it for you. But Daniel just stayed on track. And then Daniel kept watching. He sought to understand the ways of God. And Daniel 9.2, one of the great verses that proves that what we have in Scripture is, is the Word of God. Daniel, uh, it says this, In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood from the Scriptures, according to the Word of the Lord given to Jeremiah the prophet, that the desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years. I mean, everybody's in exile, and nobody's paying attention to when it will end. But Daniel's like, wait a minute. 
I read that God told us it's going to end. He was actually trying to figure out the will and the ways of God in his life, and it's beautiful. And so here, here's what I want to say to you today. Simple. You're on a journey, the journey of life, and you're going to have pitfalls and dangers and things will come up that you just can't see coming. There is no magic eight ball. There is no crystal ball. Uh, there is nothing like that. And so here's what you need to decide because we believe God knows what's going to take place. Choose to live for God no matter what. Pretty simple. Choose to live for God no matter what. And here's the million-dollar question, I think, when you say, okay, I'll think about that. Can we trust him? Because isn't that the problem? I mean, if, if you're not a Christian or you are a Christian, isn't the hang-up in kind of taking the next step of your spiritual journey, isn't it like, can I trust you? Like, God, if I decide that I'm going to follow you no matter what, which is really what being a Christian is, believing that Jesus died and rose again so that you can have a relationship with God where you follow him and say, I'll follow you no matter what. That's, that's what a Christian is, somebody who believes that Jesus died and rose again and has said, I'll follow you no matter what. I mean, isn't the question like, well, God, if I do that, then, then I'm giving up in so many ways the freedom to just kind of make my own decisions. I mean, are you going to support me financially? Am I still going to have relationships because so many of my friends, you know, they're not Christians and, and they'll reject this and they won't like the person that I think I need to become to follow you. And, and God, like, if I do this, then what about those situations where I just kind of need to bend the rules and I just kind of need to, you know, turn and, and go a little different direction? If I really say I'll follow you no matter what, isn't there a little fear? I mean, even, even you who've been a Christian like forever and, and you've walked with God through a ton of things, isn't there just a little bit of fear that like if I wholeheartedly say you're my guide, I'll do what you want, then God's going to let you down. But God makes these just promises. I mean, James 1, 2 through 4 Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may become mature and complete, not lacking anything. God says, even, even if I let you go through hard things, then know that in the midst of those hard things, I'm maturing you and I'm making you better. That's pretty good. 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 4. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. We have this promise that, that even if God lets us go through things that we didn't want to go through and difficulties and we lose friends or we don't have the money that we desire to have, that God is comforting us in all of it so that we can comfort others. And then my favorite, Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And so the promise, this is a promise that nobody else has. If you're a person that says, I'm not going to serve God, I'm not going to follow God, I'm not going to be a Christian, then you're going to go through bad stuff in life just like we as Christians are. You're going to go through bad stuff, but there is no promise that you're going to come out better or that it's going to work out for your good. A lot of people say, well, God will take care of it, and they don't follow God. No, that's not true. God might not take care of it. It might be devastating for you if you're not a God-loving person. But if you love God and you've said, I will follow you, God, no matter what, 
then there is this promise that in everything we face, no matter where we go on this journey of life, no matter what happens, no matter what blindsides us, that God will use it for our good. That's a beautiful promise. And so when you go through life, you got two choices. You can go through life like a blind person, not knowing where you're going to go and what you're going to do. No guide, because that's who we all are as humans. We don't know what's going to happen on the way home today. You know that. You don't know what's going to take place. Sometimes I just get in the most random situation, and, and this isn't even my story. Uh, Kevin back there told me that, that not too long ago he was having a donut and a Pepsi at Thriftway, and some guy came up to him and said, this is what the spying has come to in this country? Accused him of being a spy, and a week later, a lady called the manager and said, there's a spy down there. No joke. And Kevin's having a donut and a Pepsi. And the manager came down and said, this guy has a donut and a Pepsi every day. He's all right. But it's like weird things happen, right? Like weird stuff takes place. And so you have two choices. You can go through life going, I'll just kind of aimlessly wander, hope that bad things don't happen to me. Or here's your other choice. You say, I will do my best to do what God wants me to do. Bad stuff will still probably happen to me but at least I know I'm staying on a path that ultimately results in my good. You see, we say, well, here's the path, the narrow road, as Jesus calls it. It's following God. There it is. Well, I don't know what's going to happen in life, so I'll kind of aimlessly wander off the path. But the better choice is to get on the path and follow the guide because ultimately it's going to result in our good. The, the verse this week is, it was Isaiah 30, 21 at VBS, and I just want to end with this and a thought. Uh, Isaiah 30, 21, and whenever you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear this command behind you. This is the way. Walk in it. The only guide that you have in this life is God. Nobody else knows what the future holds. Some people can give you great advice. They can say, well, you know, this might happen, this might happen, but nobody except for God knows. And so no matter what life throws at you, no matter what the journey off the map brings, know this, that living for God is the only way that you can know that whatever happens will work out for your good. This is what we know. And this is a famous line, but this is what we know. I don't know what the future holds but I know who holds the future. Will you pray with me? Lord, you do hold the future. We believe that as Christians. And so, God, I pray that every one of us, every person who is here this morning, every person who will listen online, God, I pray that we would make a decision, maybe for the first time, maybe again, God, uh, maybe in a certain situation that right now we're facing, we don't really want to live for you because it's just too hard. I pray that every one of us would make a decision today to follow you no matter what. That, that we would make a decision that, that no matter how much life throws at us, no matter how bad life gets, we will continue to stay on the narrow path saying, God, what is it that you want me to do next? And Lord, as we do that, remind us, I mean, constantly remind us, Lord, that, that Lord, you, you will use it for good. 
like you did in the life of Joseph and remind us, Lord, that, that if we don't make a decision to continue to follow you, then somebody else might be doing the work that you had called us to and will miss out on the blessing of, of purpose, the purpose you have given us. And remind us, Lord, that in, in everything you'll comfort us and remind us, Lord, that in everything you'll grow us and remind us, Lord, that in everything you will, you will work it out for our good if we will make a decision to follow you. And so, God, for the non-Christian who sits in front of me who will listen online, God, let them accept, believe that you died and rose again to to remove the sins from their lives. And, And, God, let them say, I will follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. And then for those of us who are Christians, Lord, let us make a decision right now to say in, in every area of my life, I will do what God wants me to do, even if I cannot see how it could possibly be the best thing to do. Jesus, I love you. I thank you for your wonderful words to us. I pray that you would take, take what I have said this morning and by your Holy Spirit, by your Holy Spirit, you would make, you would use them and um, make them make a difference. We love you, Lord. We pray these things in your name. Amen.